Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We just thought we'd start a new series uh, today and it's on the book of Jonah. We're going to go through the book of Jonah. Jonah is an Old Testament book and the title of my message is Jonah, Man on the Run. Okay, Jonah, Man on the Run. Jonah is one of the 12 minor prophets which is found in the Old Testament. There are 12 minor prophets, which does not mean that they were uh, uh, insignificant. It doesn't mean they were less than the major prophets. It just means they were smaller books. Okay, And so Jonah is one of the 12 minor prophets. And unlike the 11 minor prophets, Jonah is a narrative. And it's most likely written between 793 BC to 758 BC. And although the author is not identified, tradition tells us that the author more than likely was Jonah himself, which if it is the case is an amazing thing because of the content of the book of Jonah, because this was not about the best time in his life as we are about to find out. And if nothing else, we have an opportunity just to thank Jonah for his vulnerability and his openness. How I see Jonah is he was a great man of God, but he had a season in his life. Who's ever had a season in their life? Who's ever had a moment in their life they're not proud of? Who's ever had a moment in their life you'd like to get a rubber and just rub it out, but you can't? This is one of those moments in Jonah's life. Not only did he have a moment, but he penned that moment and let all of us thousands of years later talk about it. And so I'm not here to be unkind to Jonah whatsoever. In actual fact, I believe one day I'm going to see Jonah in heaven and I'm going to stand face to face to him. And what I say today, I better get right because I don't want to fight in heaven. Are you with me? I'm not here to judge the characters of the Bible. In actual, if, if anything, I can identify with them. The book is full of history. It's full of people's stories. And what I love about the Bible is it's not boring, untrue and irrelevant. No, in actual fact, it's very relevant to me as it is to us, even though they are events that took place so long ago, they're actually very relevant to us today because human nature is human nature. Are you with me? And Jonah had a season and I've had seasons in my life and you've had seasons in your life But what I so appreciate about Jonah is that he actually wrote about this season. He could have wrote about another season, but he wrote about this season. And I believe it's written for us to learn from and to apply to our lives. Are you with me this morning? Fantastic. So today, part one, we're looking at how Jonah runs away from God. Next week, we want to look about Jonah running toward God. Week three is about Jonah running with God. And week four is going to be about Jonah running ahead of God. So let's turn to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. We'll follow on the screen. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4 from the NIV says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. That'll do. (laughs) Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. 
He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. This story of Jonah has many components to it. But essentially for me, the story of Jonah is about a battle between his faith and his feelings. It's about his faith and his feelings. That's why I love the book of Jonah, because it's something we can all identify with. You see, feelings are not bad. God created us with feelings. But here's the thing. We were designed to live with them, but not be led by them. Feelings are created and designed by God, but we were designed to live with them, not be led by them. In other words, they should be indicators and not dictators. And Jonah teaches us that if we don't manage our feelings, our feelings will manage us. You can write that down. If you don't manage your feelings, our feelings will manage us. In other words, it's one thing to have anger, but it's another thing for anger to have you. You might feel angry. That in and of itself is not a sin. But what we do with that anger and how we're managed by that anger or whether we manage the anger is what we're talking about here. It's one thing to have unforgiveness, but it's another thing for unforgiveness to have you. And if, we, if our feelings manage us, then we mismanage our lives. And so the background of Jonah is that Jonah receives an interesting assignment by God directly to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach a message that will hopefully stir them to a place of repentance. Now think about that for a moment. How many of you have said, God, I, I wish you would speak to me. I wish you would give me an assignment. I wish I knew the will of God for my life. How many have ever prayed that prayer? How many of you have said, man, I would love to see an angel. I'd love to hear the audible voice of God. Well, Jonah heard the audible voice of God and he received an assignment. He found the will of God for his life. But what I learned from this is that's not all it's cracked up to be. So be careful what you ask for in prayer because God might just answer it and when He answers it, you might not like it. And so he receives this assignment to go to Nineveh and preach the message of hope so that they would repent. And his response isn't, Amen, Lord. His response isn't, that'd be great. Now remember, Jonah's the author of this book and he's written this down for us to learn from. In actual fact, he does the exact opposite. He looks at the map and says, okay, if Nineveh's that way, I'm going the other way. So he heads to a place called Tarshish. In other words, God says, go. And Jonah said, no. He's awakened by a word from the Lord to go to Nineveh. And he says, no, go, no. How many of us have ever responded to a go with the word no? Young people, go tidy your room. No. Every parent just loved me more. I felt that. Go. And Jonah said no. 
In other words, he was running away from dealing with those issues on the inside of him. And to everyone in this room who is on the run, you're welcome. Every one of you is running away from something or someone this morning. You're in the right place. You are so welcome. This is what I love about the Bible is that it applies to us today. See, Nineveh is something that represents something that God is addressing and we are ignoring. If we keep this in history, it'll never touch us. But if we bring the history and the lessons from history into our present, then we can learn from it. I doubt there's anyone in this room who has a desire to go to Nineveh or has been asked by God to go to Nineveh. But I imagine most of us have had God on our case about something and said no. And we choose to ignore it. It may be a relational issue. It could be something as small as say sorry to your sister. Say sorry to your wife. Say sorry to your husband. Go and apologise. Go and apologise. And we say no. And we say they were in the wrong. They should apologise. And God said, just, just apologise. Be the bigger man. Just go and apologise. It doesn't have to be about Nineveh. Please, let's not make this about Nineveh. Let's make this about the issues God is addressing us on and we are choosing not to obey what He wants us to do. Go, apologise, no. And often we do exactly what Jonah did. We go in the opposite direction. Go, apologise to your wife. No, we turn around and we go to the pub with our mates. The exact opposite of what God is asking us to do. No one with me this morning? Pretty quiet out there. Wasn't it much better when we were talking about Jonah and what he did wrong? Wasn't it better? <laughs> Maybe it's not a relational issue. Maybe it's a financial issue. You want to do something great for God, but you've got this debt hanging over your head and God's saying, just pay back your debt. Or, or maybe it's embracing what we were talking about before in generosity and, and giving to the house of God and giving to Him via the tithe. Maybe it's an emotional issue. We're worried. We're anxious. I believe Nineveh represents any unresolved issues that we have that God is addressing. And He has a beautiful, wonderful way of doing that. And when we want to run, here's the thing you need to know about God is that He will let us go. But just because He lets us go doesn't mean He'll leave us alone. That's what I take from the story of Jonah is that he'll let you go. But he doesn't necessarily leave you alone. The moment we go in the opposite direction of what he wants us to take, it's like we put a big target on our back. And we are marked for life. The truth is, the real truth is when it comes to running from God, you actually can't run from God because he's everywhere. In Psalm 139 verse 7, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my depths in the bed, you are there. So we can't actually run from God, which is a good thing to know. So even though we go in the opposite direction, guess what? God is there. And so the narrative tells us that Jonah went down. Everyone say down. He went down to Joppa. 
See, whenever you are in tension with your assignment, whenever you're in tension with what God is asking you to do, whenever you're in tension with what you know is the right thing to do and choose to do the wrong thing, you always go down. When you are fueled or led by your feelings, it always brings you down. When you are fueled and led by your feelings, you never make the best decisions. Have you noticed that? And so Jonah went down to Joppa. And then it says this, that after finding a ship, he paid a fare and he went aboard. In other words, whenever you are led by your feelings, you're always going to pay a price that you weren't meant to pay. This is a price that Jonah was not meant to pay, but he paid it because he was doing the wrong thing and going in the wrong direction. When you're led by your feelings, it will always cost you more than you want to pay. When you're fueled by your feelings, it's always going to cost you. I want you to understand that this morning. The good news is that God is so committed to us that when we are on the run, He gives us gifts to help us find Him. And what we see from the story of Jonah in the first chapter are three unique gifts that God gave Jonah while he was on the run. And I believe they are three things that God will give us when we are on the run from whatever it is that we are running from. And the first thing that God gives Jonah is a storm to get his attention. In other words, this was a God-inspired storm. God just put His finger in the ocean and, and there was waves and, and He just kind of blew a little bit and there was a wind and there was this massive storm on the ocean of the boat in which He was travelling. What was that all about? Well, I believe this storm was sent for one reason and that was to wake Jonah up, to get his attention. In other words, it wasn't going to kill him, but it was going to shake him up. And there are some things in our lives that God allows not to kill us, but to wake us up so that we could wake from our sleep and wake from our slumber. You know, we love the verse in Scripture that talks about God coming like a gentle voice, like a dove. And we've said He's a gentleman, He doesn't shout. And I would say, yeah, He's a gentleman. And I would say at times He whispers, And I would say at times He's like the dove that comes alongside and tells us, hey buddy, that'd be really unhelpful if you did that. Coo, coo. (laughs) He he can be the dove. And I don't know if you've ever been sitting on a park bench where you're eating something and the little doves come up and they're they're just, they're gentle. They want something, but they're gentle. They're And you're almost lured into giving them something. They're so cute. And the Holy Spirit can be like that. He can be gentle. But if we're not listening to the small, still voice, He will get louder. Have you ever been at the beach with chips? There's no cooing of doves at the beach. You've got full-blown seagulls going, Ah! Ah! Give us a chip! It's not like, cool, cool. 
And this storm is like that seagull. This is like, it's time to wake up. I, I gave you my word. You stopped reading it. Coo, coo. You got Bibles galore. There's, you got 10 Bibles on your phone. Coo, coo, just read it. Gave you a great wife, great husband. You didn't listen to them. Coo, coo. And now here's Jonah in a full blown storm because God is trying to get his attention. And it's interesting that in the midst of this storm, he's still asleep. So you can rebuke your storm. You can say, why is this happening? But if we don't understand the purpose of the storm, and that's to wake us up, no amount of rebuking is going to help you. You can rebuke all you want for the storm to stop. But unless we wake up, unless it gets our attention, then we're not going to move forward. The, the, the sad thing about this story is that because of Jonah's disobedience, the storm that was sent for him was now affecting others. And when you hang around disobedient people, guess what? You are going to be affected. You know, I believe that we need to love all people, but we don't have to hang around all people. Because some people may be good, but they're not good for you. And Jonah's disobedience put the lives of other people at risk. You see, when you're fueled by your feelings and you're led by your feelings, the people in your world are going to get hurt. So he sends the storm to get their attention. And not only did it put the lives of those ones in the boat at risk, but it says that they actually had to throw over their possessions. If you understand that these sailors were merchants and, and this was their livelihood and it was now costing them their, risk, their life was only at risk but it was actually costing them to have Jonah on board so he sends a storm to get their attention secondly he sends a captain to give direction a storm for their attention and a captain to give you direction. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 6, it says, The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. The storm was meant to wake him up, but it didn't. Now the captain had to go to Jonah and physically shake him and physically wake him up. He wasn't listening to the storm. Now the captain had to wake him up. You know, sometimes we're going to need a captain, a person in authority, someone who knows us, someone who understands us, someone who's over us, as it were, to get our attention. And on this occasion, it was the captain that came up and woke him up. He said, come on, man, get up. And, and again, your alarm was meant to wake you, but sometimes it takes mum and dad to come in and say, hey, wake up. 
having a captain in your life, having authority figures in your life is, is a good thing. It's a great thing. It's a helpful thing. See, comfort without clarity will lead to confusion. And I want you to know, if you're not listening to the storm, there is a captain that's coming. The captain is someone who can help you understand what it is that you need to do. A captain is someone that will throw you in the deep end. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 15, it says, They took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. When our kids were very young, because we have a swimming pool, I wanted to teach them how to swim at a very early age. And when I say teach them how to swim, it didn't have to be pretty. It didn't have to be a training for the Olympic Games or anything like that. It didn't have to be the perfect freestyle stroke. It just had to be something that could get them to the edge of the pool so they didn't drown. They didn't have to get their head above the water. They just had to be able to swim to the edge, to be able to hold on to the edge. Because I didn't want any child of mine or any child of anybody's, for that matter, drowning. And so the way we taught our kids to be water safe was quite literally to throw them in the deep end. And I wanted to make sure no matter where they landed in that pool, they could get to the side. And so I'd throw them in the deepest part of the pool, in the middle of the pool, at a place that they had to swim to one of the sides of the pool to be water safe. And I think before the age of two, they were able to actually get themselves to the edge of the pool. Again, it was not a stroke that was going to see an Olympic medal won by any stretch of the imagination, but it did mean that they were safe. What dad would do that? A dad that loves their kids and doesn't want to see them drowned. We all need friends in high places. And I think we live in an anti-authority society for the most part, and we miss out on one of the greatest gifts that God gives us, and that's people in our world. People that can help us, people that can shape us, people that can, can point out our blind spots. I'm so grateful for men like Danny Guglamucci, Paul DeYoung, and others in my world that are able to say, hey, Tony, I, I, I'm not here to, to judge your intentions, but your actions are actually unhelpful now. I'm grateful for that. Because I realise with captains in my life, it helps me stay on track. Isn't that why we're here today? You know, I'm not here to tell any young couple how they need to do their life. But I will give them advice if they ask me what I think is the best track. And I would tell any young couple that is thinking about getting married, I would say, you know what I would do before you announce any engagement? Why don't you do a marriage prepare course? And that's going to help you find out about your differences, your strengths, your weaknesses as a couple. You can work on some of those things. You can, you can kind of become aware of what you're walking into so that when you make an announcement that you're about to get married, it's actually on a safer, healthier foundation. I'm never going to enforce that, but I'm always going to suggest that. And I've found the people who have actually embraced that advice have had a far better start to their married life than those who haven't. The captain is a gift from God, 
when we're on the run, just like the storm. Which brings me to our third one, and that's this, a whale for your protection. So he brings a storm to get our attention. He brings a captain to give us direction. And he brings a whale for our protection. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, it says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. This particular gift that God gave to Jonah is possibly one of the most misunderstood gifts of all. Because to be swallowed by a whale sounds like judgment. It sounds like punishment. It sounds like, aha, God got him. But I don't see it like that at all. I actually see it as a form of protection. For without this whale, Jonah would have drowned. But this whale became a place of shelter. It was shelter from the storm. It was shelter from other hungry animals in the sea. And it was a place that he could sit and rest. It was a place of uh, transportation. The whale was an opportunity for him to get back in the right direction. And not only that, it was a place to think. Jonah had not one day. I want you to just think about this for a moment. Being swallowed by a whale and being spat out immediately, that is gross. Just, just think about that for a minute. A whale swallows you and spits you out. You're like, oh my God, that's disgusting. And you'd be the talk of the town. But he wasn't in the whale's mouth for a moment. He wasn't in the whale for a day. He was in the whale for two days. He was in the whale for three days. And when you're in the whale for three days, though I've never been in the whale for three days, I can only imagine you start to think about certain things. And as a band come up, that'd be great. But I imagine one of the thoughts Jonah must have had, because this is the thought I'd be having, how the heck did I get here? How did I end up inside a whale? And why am I still alive? And I think there's some people here this morning who are asking the very same question of themselves. How did I get here? I, I never thought my life would turn out like this. When I got married, I, I meant it till death do us part, and, and here I am, divorced, not once but twice. When we had children, and I used to put them to sleep at night in the cot, and I had such high hopes for them and here they are now off the rails. I don't know what questions it is that you're asking of yourself, but I can imagine that Jonah was asking some of those of himself at that moment. 
What I've learned about God is as much as He loves us, He doesn't take any shortcuts with us. The story of Jonah highlights a few important things. And one of them is this, that He'll make sure we sit there long enough and that we hurt bad enough so that the pain of the whale hurts more than the pleasure of going backwards. In other words, sometimes we don't move until our misery factor outweighs our fear factor. Think back to some of those things you said you'd never do because you're too afraid. But you ended up doing it because in the end it just became more miserable not to do it. So now I'm just going to do it just because I'm so miserable. What I love about this moment that Jonah has in the whale, the Scripture records that it was there that he found God. It was there that he remembered God. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, it says, From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and he listened to my cry. As we learnt through the last series, God's preoccupation is not to make you or me happy. God wants us to grow and become more like Him. And Jonah experienced a lot of unnecessary pain. Don't get me wrong, when you're in the will of God, you'll still experience pain. But this was unnecessary pain that Jonah experienced. Why? Because he decided to do his own thing. And I'm not here to point the finger at Jonah today. I see myself in this story. Does anyone else see themselves in this story? And I don't know what it is that you're going through. But maybe for you, this is a bit of a metaphor. You feel like you're in the pit of a whale. And you've got some questions. Questions about life. Questions about your financial situation. Questions about your marital situation. Questions about your family. Questions about your faith. Questions about God. The things that happened to Jonah weren't altogether bad because it's the very thing that got him back on track. And next week we're going to look at Jonah running toward God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 